Are you tired of boring, predictable character backgrounds in your tabletop games? Introducing Backstory Rogues, LLC. Our team of experts will spice up your character's history and add some drama to your game. Need a reason for your character's secret revenge? We can murder their family. Add a little mystery to your story? We can steal your clan heirlooms. No story arc is too wild for us. And don't worry, we won't stop us to ruin your character's reputation. We'll even embarrass their pets. Trust the Backstory Rogues to add some excitement to your game. Try us out today! Backstory Rogue LLC is not responsible for unwanted curses or ungodly paradoxes. Welcome to the 497th episode of the Mr. Mark podcast. 497 episodes? Wow, tonight we're going to discuss story arcs in your tabletop role-playing games. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. I'm Chris. And I am Old Man Logan. Man, I, uh, I think chat GPT might need a spot on the show at this point, too. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> just, uh, just so people know, Jerry wrote the initial copy for our commercial and then we asked chat gpt to rewrite it in the form of a late night tv ad and that's what you actually heard and uh it's some scary stuff yeah there's a much bigger conversation that i don't think any of us are prepared uh or nuanced enough to have yet but boy if you haven't seen it it it's a thing man like i've been messing around with this thing for a couple weeks now it is uh it is quite a uh experience trying it out i've also been using it for work i've been letting it edit emails for work oh there you go i'm gonna give it a well, go tonight while i'm at work on my lunch probably see what i can do with it <clears throat> i will tell you before we jump in the show you can ask it to do some really absurd things like write me a this in the form of that uh-huh. like give me a star wars plot in the form of a seinfeld episode jeez like it will do that okay wow all right um, i'm gonna put that in later let's I'll get let's get to some announcements real quick sure so episode 500 approaches oh yeah we will dun, be celebrating dun, dun. episode 500 this month that is 10 years of misdirected Mark podcasts. Oh, that's right. Feels like 70 years. No, no it no. feels like 10 years. It yeah, feels, it feels like, like a decade. Yeah. A decade of misdirected well, it's Mark podcasts. Look back on seven years of the show, but it's really 10 years. I of only show. guessed. That's I was right, like, yeah. I was like seven. No, <laughs> 10. Yeah. It's 10 years. Um, we're going to have a few guests on. We're going to um, have some more details in the next few weeks about that. But yeah, episode 500 is coming. And then after that, everything will be different. I've actually already put out an announcement on Patreon about what we're Saw doing that. and talked mm-hmm. a little bit in the Slack room. We're Patrons doing, are getting our first taste of what's mm-hmm. coming next. Yep. Which uh, I'll talk about it next week, I think. Sure. Okay. Yeah, we can, we can dedicate some time to that. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about MM Plays. There's your tease. There you go. Okay. Vague cast. Uh, I wanted to just uh, add to our announcements. Uh, Plus One Forward from The Gauntlet is ending their run, their oh. podcast run. Uh, so congrats to uh, Rach and Rich mm-hmm. for a great podcast. They are responsible for more than a significant number of my uh, PBTA purchases. I had listened to that show, and then, like, minutes later, I'm on drive-thru. Like, mm. damn it! <laughs> That's funny. Better than Will... Cheaper than Will Wheaton's Tabletop. Oh. But I definitely bought a large number of PBTA games based on their episodes, like Action Movie World. Yeah, there you go. What was the one, the low-crime drama? The Hood. The, the Hood. Hood I bought from... Based on them. So many of them. So, so many of them. So, congrats, uh, Rach and Rich, on fantastic podcast and a great run. Absolutely. Anybody else have any announcements that they want to throw out there before we move on? No, I think we're good. Cool, let's move on. Man. Workshop! Workshop! We're going into the arcs one more time! What's an arc? We're going to tell you. How do you use it? We're going to tell you. Haven't we talked about this before? You bet we have, but we're bringing it back before we hit 500 here in the workshop. And don't suck. Don't, don't suck. Alright, I love storytelling. What? I, no. I know, right? I love it in all its various forms. I love TVs, movies, novels, short stories, audio dramas, audiobooks, podcasts, plays, video games, musicals, microfiction, epic poetry, board games, dance, and role-playing games. The last one is where this topic comes from. 
How does storytelling in role-playing games work? The arc was one idea we came up with a long time ago in a podcast far, far away. That would be episode 241, which I don't think exists on the website anymore. Mm -hmm. This is something like five and a half years ago. So in our run-up to episode 500, I thought I'd bring this one back for a trip down story memory lane. But to do that, we're going to need some definitions. So Definition Panda, tell us what we need to know. Alrighty. Let's get to a few uh, top uh, terms. These are actually pulled from the original 241 episode, and they have shown up a couple times on pandas as well, in either this complete list or in a subset of this list. So if you've heard these before, don't be surprised. First one is session. This is the time that we sit down and start playing the game until we stop playing the game. So it is not a fixed amount of time. It is an event, a session. We play our Sunday evening game in a session that lasts from about 8 to 10-ish. Sometimes 7.30, but some, you know what I'm saying. We play on Sundays mm -hmm. from like 7.30 to 10. That's a session. You may play a session that is four hours. You may be like Brett, who goes up to his gamers up in the north and plays like a 10, 12-hour session. It's still a session. That's what I'm trying to get Lucky here. bastards. Mm -hmm. He only does it like once a month. I know. But I mean, again, session. That's what it is. It's when we sit to play, when we're done playing. Story, on the other hand, this is similar to some of the terms like adventure. If you're old school, module, scenario, it has a structure. It consists of a hook, one or more frameworks, and a set of interludes and a conclusion. It is, for all intensive purposes, like your eighth grade uh, story, right? You've got your... Mm -hmm. If you, you want to go life. with the simplest version possible. Hey, who doesn't love a good free tox pyramid? Me. I don't anymore. I it love free crazy. pyramid. <laughs> I can love we it. We are beyond that. <laughs> we are, but know your roots. Okay. Next one that's, is arc. That's true. Next one is arc. Arc is a related set of stories that when put together, tell a larger story and also have a structure that consists of a beginning, middle and end. It also has a hook. Its frameworks can be the size of whole stories as well as its own interludes, conclusions, etc. Okay. Um, the thing that creates an arc is the connectivity between the stories. So certain stories make up an arc. We'll get into that in a little more detail further into the episode. But they can be connected through theme, tone, the adversary, characters, locations, anything that would tie the stories together. <laughs> Lastly is campaign. One or more arcs played together, they do not need to connect. You can have one arc be a whole thing and then a new arc after that. They can be um, increasing in scope and or complexity. They can just be one, you know, individual arcs played one after the other. A campaign, we define a short campaign. I say we. We define a short campaign as being one arc. We define a long campaign as being anything more than one arc. It's arbitrary. Somebody asked us, well, what's short back like five years ago? And it's like, well, I don't know, one arc. Here, let me let me even make <laughs> this more complicated. Yeah. So like, if you want a single story, could sure. be just an arc. Mm -hmm. Kind of. It, it, it can. It can. Yeah. If And there's no preciseness to this. There's no preciseness to this. But we need you just to understand for the rest of the episode, the difference between session, right? Which is when you sit down and play a game. Story, which is an adventure. An arc, which is a collection of adventures, and a campaign, which is a collection of arcs. Yes. Let me even make this more complicated. You could have multiple stories in a row, and then the only thing that connects them together are the characters. So, sure, it's it's a campaign. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know. I mean, it's sort of like an arc, but not really. Yeah. Not every campaign has an arc. Correct. Could just be a bunch of stories, interconnected I mean, stories. I mean, the original D&D games. I mean, when you were just playing the modules out of the box, I mean, you were, you were playing Ghost Tower of Inverness this week, and next week we were playing... Barrier peaks. Uh, yeah. But by our, our loose definition of arc, to be clear, mm -hmm. it would be it connected says by the, the thing characters. They, it's yes, connected that's, that's by the characters. That's what I mean. It's the connection of the characters that only they make it a campaign. And if you go, like, if you look at um, at a certain point in AD&D, 
when you got into the G, D, and Q, those adventures actually all started to connect together yep. into a full uh, arc. If you yes. played them that way, but yes. Yeah, yeah, if you, or you didn't have to. You mm -hmm. could play them completely out of sequence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That being said, everything that Phil said originally is true. Like, in yes. the most basic format, mm -hmm. those are the structures. Enough for, uh, hopefully enough for you guys to all, um, pieces for you all to work with. So now, take it from there with pieces of arcs. There's a variety of structures you can have for an arc, but the two most basic parts are story and meta activity. We've already defined the story, but meta activity is the part of the game that exists outside of the play during the story. There'll be some other procedures or set of mechanics that the GM and players engage in. These mechanics provide a variety of options, but their primary function is to give a way to push the arc forward, provide other branches for the arc, modify the direction of the current story, or move the character's arc forward. The GM can combine these two play modes in a variety of ways, which is another way to control pace. For example, things like downtime in D&D, free play, downtime in Blades in the Dark, the end of session in PBTA games, and the like. Next, there's types of arcs. First, we've got a meta arc. This is an arc that can be for an entire group. Some people think of this as the main plot of the game or the A plot, and this is the primary focus of the game. Next, you've got a character arc, which is about a specific character. These are often thought of as B plots and other forms of storytelling, and in what most people consider more satisfying storytelling. And they're related to the A plot in a meaningful way. And then finally, there's location arcs. These are arcs about places and how the actions the PCs take in the setting affect those locations over the course of a number of stories. I can't think of any other types of arcs. Is that that seems pretty comprehensive, right? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's pretty, feels good. That's pretty good. Those are those are very broad. Right? Yes, they're on purpose. Yeah, on on purpose. We're trying not to be too specific yeah. here. Okay, what's well, about the use of arcs? Yeah, let's talk about continuous versus non-continuous arcs. So, an arc can be can be continuously played from session to session, meaning that story one connects to story two, connects to story three, four, five, and then the arc is completed. No mm -hmm. problem. Think of that for you people who um, need a colonoscopy. Think of that like a TV Gross. miniseries, right? You guys remember the TV miniseries of the 80s, right? That is a continuous arc, right? He's talking about people that are like 40 to 50. Correct. And older. I said if you need a colonoscopy. Yeah, but not, you know what? Not everybody in our age group is going to need a colonoscopy. No, yet. recommended at age for, 50. You know what? For, for not for everybody. For people who are younger than that, just think of the Netflix series. Sure. <laughs> Jesus. Now, <laughs> arcs can also be non-consecutive, meaning that there can be other things that happen, other stories that happen in between. So you can have sessions one, two, and three all be part of the, the arc. Then something else happens. And then later in session eight, you pick up the arc again. Best way I could, the best way I can describe this is think X-Files yes. for you older folks, right? Yep. The, the, um, I forget what they called it. They had a name. Mythology the mythology episodes. The mythology episodes. Thank you. The mythology episodes are dispersed in a sea of monster of the week episodes. Uh -huh. And so if they had just stuck them all together, that arc would have actually been pretty short. But the fact that they doled them out to you in little chunks is how they kept you on the hook for season after season after season. We're not getting into payoffs tonight, but there's a problem with payoffs in that mm -hmm. series. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's the difference between continuous and non-continuous arcs. Now let's get into the multiple arcs. You can take multiple arcs and thread them together for non-consecutively, non creating very complex story structures. And in fact, I'll even say not even non-consecutively, you can layer arcs inside continuous stories as well. Yes, you can. This stuff gets a little hairy, but consider that like a character arc can easily occur inside a meta arc. Not easily, often does. Often does. In fact, it's actually what makes for really good stories, which I'm going to let you guys get to in a second. But mm -hmm. consider mm -hmm. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Jedi, etc., where those are stories that have lots of things mixed together all going on at the same time. They just keep cutting between them or sometimes several of them happen in the same scene. But we have a whole thing with Luke, his father, his destiny. Yo. 
We have Han Solo and Jabba the Hutt. That that's constantly comes up. That's movie. a constant running theme. We have um, Han and Leia. Yep, their love story. Their love story. There's a whole arc that occurs all the way through all three of those movies. And then, mm-hmm. obviously, into the other movies as well. But if we're just talking about the original three. Uh, and The Fall of the Empire. Yes. Yep. All of that stuff is all happening throughout those movies. And you're getting a taste of each of them in each movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And they have beginnings, middles, and ends. All of that stuff. Yeah, like, like when Leia and Han are fighting with each other in the first one. And then, you know, it's five-year jump. So then... They're obviously into each other and have a history of situations where mm-hmm. Han is almost getting murdered by Jabba's bounty hunters constantly, mm-hmm. but he's still sticking around because of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he won't leave Hoth, sure. right? Yeah. And then she comes and saves him. And then she comes and saves him after yeah. he tell after she tells him, she loves him. He says, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, as arcs go and especially as like a little kid, like those were teaching moments I, in yeah. terms of story. I like that that whole arc gets paid off at the very beginning of Jedi. Mm-hmm. As soon yeah. as he gets her out of the, mm-hmm. she gets him out of the, the carbonite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's and, a payoff right early on. Well, and yeah. it's important because there are other story arcs that need to finish as the climax. Mm-hmm. So they pay that arc off early to get it to its conclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. then they have a little denouement in, in Endor at the end. Yep. Yeah. But for the most part, they've paid off most of that arc, but the Luke and Vader one actually has a little bit in the beginning but it peaks. Its climax is obviously the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it's the fight that they have. Exactly. And then, and then, you know, him throwing his lightsaber away, which means like, I'm a Jedi now. And his dad's seeing that. And he's like, yep. oh, the Emperor's going to kill my son. That's bad. Exactly. And then I'm going to save my son because he, you know, is a Jedi like like I used to be. Reminded me. Well, and, there, there, there's also the something that's pointed out a couple times recently, which is when the Emperor says, you know, Come take your place at my side. Vader's There's like, that too. Vader's like, wait, what? Wait. <laughs> oh, come on, man. The Emperor's tried to kill Vader about 8,000 times between yeah, the Not time to mention the fact Vader that if you're, if you're Sith, mm-hmm. like, you have to realize there's always been two. I imagine two. That, I yeah, imagine but Vader's that every, plan was to kill the Emperor with Luke. No, I yeah. get yeah. that. But. I imagine that every Sith has the same thought, which is like, I know that's how they've done it all the times, but it's different this time. I'm <laughs> special. This time, baby. I, right? Like, <clears throat> I'm sure they all walk in it with the same mindset. And then, you know, then you're having that moment like Doku where you're sitting there with no hands and you're like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> like wait, I, I thought I was the, I, no. Oh, damn. Dead. Oh, hell. <laughs> There's that moment where you realize, oh, this is the new guy. Dooku was, <laughs> see, Dooku was right. I'll go with. The problem with Dooku, and he should have known it, was after, just as an aside, after Darth Maul died, who was clearly Palpatine's boy. Yeah. Dooku is the rebound. Yeah. He's the rebound apprentice. You don't want to be the rebound apprentice. No. That just means he's he's biding time for the apprentice he really wants. And that's what happened. <clears throat> he thought he was the one. He was the rebound. And then that moment in episode three is when he realizes I can always count on Phil he's relate, the rebound. Relate anything in a story to, to some sort of relationship drama. <laughs> of course. You know, that looks you reality. look at you look at the look on his face when, when Palpatine's like, kill him, and he's like, Whoa, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> that moment, he's like, Oh damn, like that's your boy. I'm the rebound, and then it's over. No, uh, that, that's not how that actually That is down. exactly how it You know looks. how this would have went down? If Dooku would have actually killed Anakin. And uh, Obi Wan, it would have been fine because he was like, he would have been like, no, well, you know, sure. But that's then it's Anakin Dread Pirate Roberts. The chosen one. Then it's Dread Pirate Roberts' time. Like, well, I guess I'll keep you around until yeah. I find something else hot. And my favorite part it. about about episodes two and three is the fact that Dooku never lies to them. Everything he tells Obi Wan that is going on when he has Obi Wan captured is the truth. Yeah, because guess who's got the best shot of Palpatine? Yeah. Obi Wan and yeah. Could you do something? Here? No, I'm, 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 I'm working. Can you just wrangle this before? 
<laughs> really? You want him to wrangle it after you went off on your side? Exactly. Like when I watched, so we're doing a podcast. <laughs> all right. No, I exactly want him to wrangle it after I got my point in. Oh, I see how it is. I see how it is. All right. Let's talk about length of arcs, Bob. Thus for me, but not for you. <laughs> okay. So length of arcs. There is no predetermined length to an arc. It's fluid. All of this stuff is just a framing device to help you think about how to structure your RPGs in the long term. That being said, though, there are tried and true ways to think about this so that you're not falling into the I'm too clever trap of GMing, and you do not want to be too clever. No. If you think you're being clever, you're not. Stop it. The three-act structure, beginning, middle, and end. Each of those acts is one story. So That is super simple. It is. It's super it's, simple. It also and it's simplest. Completely unhelpful. Yeah. <laughs> So let's let's not let's, mildly let's, let's uh, put these down let's to a little more description. Yes, here. please, please tell me about parts of it. All right, so let's talk about a couple parts of the arc. The first is going to be the introduction or orientation. This is a time for the characters to get a feel for who they are, a chance to introduce the main threat of the game. Next, we're going to have the threat. The arc should be about some person or event that poses some kind of harm to the world. There's going to be the rising action, or the try fail cycle. Big bad rising action. I mean, dun, dun, dun. I do exactly. like it. Yep. And these the characters need to work towards stopping the threat. Uh, the fail part of this is hard to do in RPGs. It's easier with success with a complication as part of the game space these days as opposed to just the players try and fail. Next, we're going to obviously have the climax. This is the pivotal <laughs> session where the threat is directly confronted. And then finally, we have the conclusion in the aftermath. This is the time after the climax to see the effects of the climax and wrap up other questions. So he's biting his tongue so hard over there. Try it so hard. <laughs> cuddling. The cuddling, Yes. No, so, it was the seeing the effects of the climax. Never mind. It thank just, you. Thought you'd like that. Roll on. Roll on, my friends. <laughs> now that we know the parts, how do we structure these parts of the arc? All right, let's talk about the structure of an arc. The arcs have these parts to them. There's the, the inciting incident or the hook. That is mm -hmm. the first thing. Got to start yes. somewhere. Yeah. Yes, yes. Then you have the challenges that the characters have to overcome. A and B make up the introduction and orientation, and they give us the threat. By the way, A and B is in, inciting incident, and B are the challenges that the characters must overcome. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, C, the adversary getting in the character's way and presenting new and unknown challenges. D is going to be the characters overcoming these new unknown challenges. And from B to D, you will provide the rising action. This is also going to be part of that try-fail cycle. I will, I will also say this is a good chunk of the fun and games of your, your, your story mm -hmm. right? and your arc. Like, all the fun stuff and all the things that you, cool things that you want to put in your game should happen here. Yeah. All right. Now we've got E, the characters directly confront the adversary. This is your climax. And then F, the denouement. This is the conclusion, the aftermath of the story. So what we just stated was a slight expansion on the three-act structure most folks have heard of and are familiar with, and it's just a fractal version of other types of storytelling. Now, let's talk about expanding this idea into the three-story arc, because that's what we're talking about here, three-story mm -hmm. arc. So the inciting incident and the hook, along with initial challenges, is your first story. Sure. Yeah. Right? That is Star Wars, A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a thing that they dealt with. There's a thing that they overcome. Those are initial challenges. We, we got the bad guy, all that good stuff. B, the adversary getting in the character's way and the character's overcoming new and unknown challenges is your second story. That's Empire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can use these as models. If you, if you never sure. watch Star Wars, just go watch Star Wars. If you never watch Star Wars, it's amazing you're listening to this podcast. I, yeah, I don't know. And, and you know what? If you haven't watched Star Wars, let us know. I'm kind of curious. Seriously, because you're in for a treat. Yeah. No My cousin spoilers. walked out of Star Wars. Well, you know, there's no accounting for taste. Well, look, mm -hmm. it's 1977. How did you know? Right? Like yeah, She didn't. She's bored. Okay. And then there's Bear. The bear just keeps talking. <laughs> oh, I met your mother reference. Anyways, C, the character choosing to directly confront the adversary is the third story. Mm -hmm. And that happens in Return of the Jedi. They go after Jabba, and then they go after the Emperor. Or yep. at least the, the second Death Star. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing to put these things together is to have something to connect these stories. Go ahead. So this is perfect, right? Perfect three-story arc. 
if you wanted to have more than three stories, it's still this structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just it takes more <clears throat> stories to do each one of these. Mm-hmm. Like the acts are still there. You could just have like you could just have two stories as mm-hmm. the first act. Yes. Like that's that's the thing. Like the structure is basically there. You can compress it down. Right. And, if, and again, if you compress it to like a diamond, it's a single story. If you compress it to a certain level, it's an arc. And if you want to lengthen it, you just put more stories in these spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can have, I mean, as long as you keep that, that's why it's an arc. We mm-hmm. think of it as like an arc, mm-hmm. that, that introduction, threat, uh, try, fail, cycle, climax, conclusion, aftermath. I know it's free talks. You literally just made free talks pyramid as a head gesture. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I love you. Fuck off. <laughs> Anyways, must be a new year. Jesus Christ. Anyways. <laughs> There is a way more complicated version of this. Not complicated. There's a way more broken down version of this. We talked about it. It's in Save the Cat. I think it's great. It tells you all about storytelling. And I think think that's the important part, right? Free Talks Pyramid is not the gold standard. It's the fallback. It's the easy, digestible, eighth grade, we've all seen it, we all understand it. You can do arcs with more sophisticated storytelling Mm -hmm. um, if you're versed in that and comfortable with it. But if you're like, oh, I barely made it out of literature, English, or whatever, and like I'm, you know, that's not my jam. Free Talks Pyramid is a real comfortable way to just yeah, envision look, I, this. I will drop one thing inside of the Free Talks Pyramid that will make the make Free Talks Pyramid far more useful. Somewhere in the middle of your rising action, your try fail cycle, you need to have a false victory or a false defeat. Sure, mm-hmm. sounds great. Once you have a false victory or a false defeat, which is great because you can have either one. Like you can let the game decide mm-hmm. yep, how mm-hmm. that plays out. Then after that, you basically get like it's like kind of like a mini climax in the middle of the arc, essentially, and then. <laughs> Phil, is, Phil is biting his tongue again. After that, you then can like ramp everything up mm-hmm. because it's it's a signal point to ramp everything up towards the end of the towards the end of the arc. Like yep. you're basically starting like what do we do now and moving forward from there. Also, if the players won, what do the bad guys do now to make it to, to like recover? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a, yeah. That moment right there will make everything better. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I guess the point is if you are versed in other story structures by all means use them you don't have to use free talk experiment and if you are not versed in other story structures or or feel intimidated by you know literary structures whatever feel free to fall back to your eighth grade english this also will still work absolutely yep so tell me about arc additions jerry all right some things you can add to your arcs are going to be first of all all your non-related stories because not every session of an arc has to be related to the main threat you can have unconnected stories backstories little stories that occur in between your main arc Mm-hmm. And we've done these in role-playing games, and, and they work very well to just give you kind of a downbeat and also give the players a chance to explore things unrelated to the main threat. You could also have simply other arcs that occur. Yeah, you could focus on the character arc. Yep. One character's arc. Yep. Make them the primary focus of a particular session or even small story. Mm-hmm. Like, or larger story if you want. Like, that's when you get to that layering thing where you can start layering things inside of each other, and then it gets interesting, mm-hmm. I guess, is the best way. It's I'm got not layers. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying... You can have a meta arc, which is the A plot or whatever. And then you can have character arcs that go inside there that connect to the meta plot or not connect to the meta plot or a secondary plot like Han and Jabba. Kander's return home to to uh, uh, Elvar yeah. and discovering the, the, the difficulties there and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was that was a character focused yep. arc that wasn't part of the main. In, until you found out that it was. Until I found out that it was. Yeah. Because of course. I mean, look at like, for instance, look at Buffy. Buffy is a great example of various character arcs, right? Because not all characters at all times in the story have the same narrative weight. True. There is always Buffy, right? But then there'll be a run where there's a lot of Willow, right? Mm -hmm. They engage a Willow story arc and kind of turn that arc up for a bit and then let it kind of 
reach its conclusion, turn it back down, and then switch and do some other stuff. Yeah, yeah man. There's there's Xander arcs. There's yeah. there's child arcs. Started working for me. Yeah. Yeah, and there's and, and you can have them run simultaneously. You can have one come up, come down, and another one come up, come down. There, as a GM, it's going to be what you're comfortable being able to manage all in the course of a game. Yeah. When it comes to the moment to moment play of your game, the, the trick is 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 making sure that the players that are at the table are on board for you being able to like bounce and sometimes just have a moment with characters mm -hmm. to like focus on that storytelling beat for a second. Like, I think we've gotten very good at that in Ox. Yeah. Ox has a moment like, and a lot of it is so off the cuff that all of a sudden a moment will form where it's like, oh, this is actually going to be a pivotal couple scenes mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. for this character. <clears throat> I wasn't planning for this, but here we go. And, and everybody at the table kind of restructures to be like, oh, okay, this is where the story is going. We just had this, our last session before we took hiatus yes. for Christmas was supposed to just be fixing Ox's automated body, which yeah. was its own story arc. Uh -huh. And Chris failed a role. And one of the NPCs was like, oh, I'm going to help and botched how they were going to help fix this problem. Bob's character's sister. Yes. yes. Botched it wonderfully, which then left mm -hmm. like, like all of a sudden the whole session for the night stopped. Like it paused about being about Ox's body. And we dove into a in-depth character thing. Yep. Which, and then resumed. Which really helped in a few yeah. ways because yeah. the character in question, Gamma, mm -hmm. didn't really have a lot going on in the game at that point. Didn't have a good hold on that character nope. either. Yep. And it pushed once again on my character. A oh, continuous arc. How's my character's name? Tam. Tam, thank you. <laughs> Blanking. It's been a while since we played. It's only been a while. Tam's idea of not being able to, like how he trusts people. And it was Gamma's misunderstanding that, oh, high tension, stressful in, uh, experiences create trust. So let's go mountain climbing. Yes. Instead of high tensile, <laughs> stressful situations that, that were like, we, we just chose to go into that created trust. <laughs> Correct. Not ones that are created by the people that put him in danger. And again, it was, um, and it's just, it's that level of certain sessions will push on certain characters. And it's mm -hmm. okay to do that as long as you've kind of worked that out with your table. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you wind up in a case where you're trying to balance a uh, whole bunch of character arcs. Like back in the day when we were running Amber, I was running Amber, you were playing Amber, Bob. <laughs> was I? <laughs> I mean, you were. I mean, some, some playing more, some really playing more than others. <laughs> but that was a game where every session I had to balance five complete story arcs yeah, that, that only occasionally crossed over with one another. I think that is the the the, the difficult part about games like Amber and Vampire: The Masquerade. Oh, it was fucking such. exhausting. It was exhausting. Like my notes per character per session were really small, but my over no, overall notes were big because I had to I had to write five arcs. Plus, still manage the behind-the-scene arcs for the actual meta plots for the game that was going. It was a yep. lot, and which which character plot is going to touch the meta plot this week? That uh, it was. I mean, I almost dropped out of grad. I almost failed out of grad school. <laughs> not drop. I almost failed out of grad school because of that stupid. It game. is. It is interesting because games like that are not in my wheelhouse. Like I don't enjoy them. I think I would find it exhausting at this point. I mean, we, I, we tried to play a couple of them. Like uh, Hillfolk is based on that idea. Yeah. Like the the drama system games. Yeah. They're all based on that idea. Uh, monster, not monster of the week. Um, urban shadows urban is based shadows. on that idea. Urban shadows. That game's tiring. Yeah. Like, monster, monster hearts, I believe is based on that idea. Monster too. hearts is very much based on that idea. I haven't worked up the energy yet to it, run that. It felt like cartel was a little bit based on that idea. It will most likely be that way. Yeah. So yep. like there are, there, there's a whole set of games that I am not, it's not that I'm not comfortable doing it. I'm just not interested in running them mm -hmm. because it feels like the meta I like meta plots. I like story. I like well, you story like arcs. to tell us. Yeah, you like mm -hmm. to, you like right, presenting yeah. a story. I, I mean, I like 
I like presenting a a situation. Yep. And then making getting the players to be part of that. Situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which is hard to do in a game where you have characters that are dispersed in the dispersed in the narrative mm-hmm. that can choose whether they want to engage or not. And yeah. some will, some won't. Mm-hmm. When will they? When won't they? Yeah, and and that's fine. Like this is not for me, right? Like those no. games are are cool. It, it's cool, but I am telling you, at fi- at at twenty, <clears throat> at twenty one, twenty two, when I ran it. I was energetic and was like rock on. Yeah, it makes a big difference. At fifty, I'm like, it looks like a lot of <laughs> yeah, work. Yeah, you know, like I, I will say, I have no idea how to facilitate a game like that or provide advice for a game like that. Surprisingly, I think you have more tools than you know because it is so much spotlight management. Yeah, sure. It's it, it's just it it's it's a that's a huge. It, it is just nonstop spotlight management. You're just you're like okay. Here we go. I'm going to I'm going to do the scene with Chris, Jerry. I'm going to do I'm going to do a scene with you right after Chris. You're constantly taking notes. You're constantly taking notes. I guess the point I'm trying to make is I don't know how to weave those into something that seems cohesive. It's not. That seems like a problem. (laughs) It is. I mean, it becomes cohesive when you apply a meta plot and drag everybody like you create inciting incidents in everybody's arc to pull them into it. It's it's a lot of work. You also make gaps in the meta plot that you write. So you have spots and then it say things like, okay. Here's our story plot. We're going to have a side arc for Bob, a side arc for Jerry, a side arc for Phil. And this is still my main plot. And we need to have an inciting incident. So whichever one of these three comes closest to this inciting incident, this is what I want to have happen. And I'm going to find a way to get something they're doing in that, in that direction. And use a lot of that is done with NPCs, is use, putting NPCs in situations and positions so that the players will interact with them. So if Phil's trying to romance somebody, you put them in that situation where they're going to be part of that meta plot again. It it it, it, it takes so, some effort, so but here. it's about slot. It's about it's about slotting. I have a thought. I have a thought now. Yes, sure. if, good. Most of these games that, that we've mentioned, the, yeah. the, the, <clears throat> I think we mentioned like four of them. We mentioned what Cartel, Urban Shadows, Vampire, Mon- and Monster, and Monster. Oh, Amber and Monster Hearts. Sure, and Monster Hearts. I don't know anything about Amber. Sure. Every single one of those other games, though, has a connecting tissue to it. The Cartel has the Cartel. Mm-hmm. The Monster uh, Urban Shadows has the city. Sure, Amber, you're all related. Vampire has the city. So if I want my players to interact together or have a story, their personal story, interact with whatever the meta plot is, my meta plot has to be something about the connective tissue. Yes. Bob, see if you remember. How, does, how, do, how do I start all Amber games? With a party. With a family party. Oh, sure. That makes sense. Because the whole family has to come together and it's an excuse to bring you them know. together and then you can drop your inciting incident into the middle of the party. I bet Amber would be a pretty good game system to utilize to play a version of the Sandman. Because I don't the, know enough about Sandman. The Sandman, it's uh, the Sandman, the Vertigo Sandman. They're all concepts of like mm-hmm. death and dream and desire, desire, delirium. delirium, and they're all family. So you know, mm-hmm. the thing about Amber is it has so few mechanics that I don't know if it's good for any. <laughs> I don't know if it's good <laughs> for any game. I would. I mean, as you recall, Fate was created when Fred and Rob were trying to create mechanics for Amber. Sure. I would go with that. Like yeah, I, yeah, I would that better. Yeah. So does that wrap up the uh, this the chunk? initial part? Yeah, 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 yeah we can yeah. get to the reflections part. And we talk well, more well, about for, this stuff. But before we do, Bob's going to tell us about another show in the Mister Mark podcast. I would love to. Today we're going to talk about the Gnome Cast. Everybody loves a good Gnome Cast. I do. Several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and to avoid being thrown in the stew. Because nobody wants to end up in the stew pot. Let me tell you, and just change at the end of that show now to being, do you think we did good enough to get not thrown in the stew too? Do you all think you did good enough for me not to throw you into the stew? I it's Angela's stew now. Like, no, that's, yeah. I mentioned it to her one yeah. day. She's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's Angela's stew. Good for her. We work for Ange. We do. 
we do. Can I tell you before we jump back into the show that while we were sitting here, I had chat GPT working away. Of course you did. Create a D&D party in the form of a 90s boy band. Oh boy. Oh no. The charismatic leader, Trevor the Paladin. Okay. The heartthrob, Jason the Bard. All right. The sensitive one, Ethan the Cleric. Uh-huh. The bad boy, Gavin the Rogue. All right. The lovable dud, Drew the Druid. Uh-huh. The wild card, Miles the Ranger. Toge- hey. Together, they're the adventurous heartthrobs, and they're on a quest to defeat the evil sorcerer and save the kingdom. Will they be able to work together and use their unique talents to succeed? Or will their egos get in the way? Only time and a few dice rolls will tell. Then I asked it, can you generate a few song titles for this band? Oh, boy. <laughs> On a quest for love and glory. Great. Fighting for the crown. The power of friendship. I think that might be a um, <laughs> Ponies uh, episode. That's my uh, episode. Adventure calls our names. Heroes in the making. Saving the day one roll at a time. The rogues lament. Bards, blades, and harmony. Nice. That one's amazing. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Claire. Clerics and Crusaders. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Druids and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and then I asked it to suggest an album title for this list of song called Dungeon. It came up with Dungeon Delights. But now I'm going to have it come up with this the is, lyrics for Bards, Blades, and Harmony. This, this is a show on MTV. This, this is the it's, sequel to Together. It's bad. It's, it's bad. Let's talk about yeah. reflections. So, yeah. so five and a half years later, what are some of our thoughts on arcs in storytelling? Go ahead, Chris. You I go mean, first. I have so many new thoughts. You, I actually said a lot of them already. Like, what comprises an arc? I have completely different th- theories about it now. Like how stories are told in general. I have way more knowledge than I had five and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. How we apply that knowledge to tabletop RPGs. We've done episodes on that already about how like stories get like, how do we apply this like story structure and whatnot to tabletop role-playing games that applies to arcs too. I love me some three act structure. It's simple. People can understand it's it. Super digestible. But man, you can break that into smaller components to actually make use of that mm-hmm. use of the knowledge that exists in there, which we've talked about a bunch. And what you do is you break it down so that you can create choice points for, for the game so that you can be surprised about how the game goes. You don't have to know. Like, you can understand these are the moments that are going to happen, which we talked a little bit about that. Like, I talked about that, that middle point where you can either have a, a false defeat or a false victory. And that's an interesting, you don't know what's going to happen point. You can make up an encounter that you have no idea how it's going to end. And then, you know, gamifying all this stuff, which is, I just talked a little bit about, about it. All right, that's, that's me, man. I'm just, there's so much to talk about and digest and, and work around with these ideas. And we have barely even scratched the surface with it. Yeah, that's uh, that's truth all the way through. For me, back when, when this uh, topic first came around, like I never thought about games in the ways that we discuss them and break them down on this podcast. It never used to be my thing. I have learned so much about all of these things that I carry with me now. I understand more. I'm catching up with you guys to where you're like, you guys are, are like, you know, like 300 level. And like for the longest time, I was like looking in on the class while it was going on going, that looks interesting. You know, <laughs> I don't get half of it, but <laughs> and now I get most of it and I see it now. I can, I can recognize the stuff. I haven't put any of it to use yet someday. Who knows? Uh, I disagree. You put the stuff to use with, with the way that you play games. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that actually is true. You are actually mm-hmm. the the from the player's side of the of the mm-hmm. of the, the equation. You can absolutely put a lot of this stuff. Sure, in being being aware of a player as where like yeah. that. Oh, this is the be- like oh this is the inciting incident of an arc. I will yeah, yeah, yeah. push myself that into this. I, like I want a specific character story for myself, so I want these mm-hmm. these moments yep. to happen. Mm-hmm. So let me either play towards it or explain to my game master what I'm looking for. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so that's that's where I am with that. It's it's uh, it. All of these discussions, not just the story arcs, have taught me a ton 
that have translated very well over into the player side. Jerry? For me, um, it's been recognizing these arcs and setting them up and then blending them into the campaign uh, is what I think has made the campaigns that I have enjoyed and run both memorable and worthwhile. Um, all of my favorite campaigns have been ones that have had an arc and learning how to blend them together or shift them due to player attrition. I mean, the game that I GM with Chris, we started out with a, the ending group of players was not the group we started out with. Correct. And we had to shift the, the arcs, but it still worked. And there were um, some side arcs involved. There were some side stories. But overall, we still had a general campaign going and where we were going to go, even if it didn't end. And it worked. I, I liked it. I think it worked very well. And I like that sort of thing. I think what's important is recognizing what you want to do and using the arc structure to lay out your campaign, even if you have to make changes to it in the middle of it. Because no campaign ever survives contact with the players. You go on from there. I disagree. But that's me. If you have no plan, it cannot be messed up by the players. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Be where the bullets are not. Go ahead, Say, Bill. Says, says the guy who's literally making up his... The best uh, way to avoid a punch and not be there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I mean, we've talked about the just-in-time thing before, but that is very much my approach to it to Ox's. Can't, I can't miss on this because I'm not telegraphing it. I literally don't understand like, I don't know how this game ends yet. <laughs> I won't miss on mine because I told my players this is what we're doing. Yeah, no, it's yeah. fine. It's very, it's very different. It's very different structures. I mean, my Knights Black Agents game, I didn't really know how it was going to end. It all of a sudden came together and it was like, oh, that, that, that's the, this is the ending of the game. We've reached act three. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I used to be like you. I know. We switched places. I, I used to be like places. you. <laughs> my Dungeon World game, I had no idea except that you're going to fight a dragon at some point. Yeah. I have a thing for Ox. I will tell you at the end. Not now. I will tell you at the end of the campaign. But like there is a moment that will come up in the game that will determine what the the rest of Act Three will look like. You know, I'll tell you, man, I don't know the, the game that I'm running for those two guys. I have no idea what's going to happen at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Because what happens at the end of it is I have no idea what they're gonna do with the things that they've put together. Mm-hmm. I just know that those pieces are out there yep. and then people are looking for them. I have a few things left to drop on the board, and then you will you guys will wind up telling me mm-hmm. how yeah. how Ox will end. Like that's the game, the game I ran for you guys was a little more difficult because it started out with the idea that I was going to run the, the pre-published modules with a character-based story in between each one. Oh. And so I did, I did the, I did the first, I did the, the opening Eberron adventure, then I did a side quest, then I did the second Eberron adventure, then you guys got involved with the, with the, the, the murder mystery with the paintings. Then we did another, and so I was interspacing them as I went, so I knew where I wanted to be by the end, and, and we were going to wrap it up with the, the, and I changed the entire plot, but that kept changing because I had players drop out every other week because of, of time schedules and the entire player group changed and their focus was very different than what the original group was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then there was a pandemic. There was a pandemic. Yeah. And, and we added more players. And so that became something interesting to see, but it was still fun. We still had arcs because the characters had the character based arcs became more important than the plot based arcs. The relationship between Chris's character Bridget's character and Schmitty's character became much more important to the campaign than the actual story arc itself. Yeah, 50% of that game was just all bantering. Yeah, which worked. But, <laughs> it, but, but it became, Which, well, you know, it was fantastic feel like bantering. Yeah, yeah, sure. <clears throat> yeah it was just much more, it, it became the more interesting part of it. Yeah. And so I shifted the focus of the game from the straight plot that the original players wanted to the character-based plot. And sometimes you, you can do that with arc. You can change your, your arc focus. You can. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the funny, I mean, the thing is, like, there'll be a time where I'm going to run a game where I will have a very specific idea of what yeah. I want to do. And that's fine. It, it, it's going with what works for that story. I think so much of Ox, I had no, like it was such a premise of an idea mm-hmm. that we just like jumped into and tried that. I was like, I don't even know if this thing's going to work or not. Like I'm not putting a whole lot into a meta plot on this thing. Cause I don't even know if 
Cortex is going to be something we like, if this yeah. game, if this game concept's even going to work, like, and then that all happened, and it was like, oh, I, this is like, a thing. This, this, like, by the end of I week probably two, should put some more tracks down. By like, the end of week two, we figured out that thing had some, that, that thing slapped pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> week yeah, we were a little clumsy, week two, we were like, oh. But yeah. it, it very well could have also not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It is very possible we could have played it and been like, man, it's all right. Yeah. There's no way, there's no way of predicting that. So I was kind of going casual. And then I just, from that point, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to overly telegraph this thing. I kind of want to see where, um, I want to see where it goes. I kind of want to see part of it. And this falls under a thing Chris loves. Like, there's also like a little bit of a social experiment. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to present the thing and see how you guys react to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm going to go pull a thread and see what, and see what um, either tightens or unravels. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the, the best thing you had going for you was an amazing players. And I mean that. I mean, the thing doesn't run itself. Like, I, I only put disasters and some clocks out there. You guys have done the rest of the lifting you, on that. You listen really well. So yes, you do. I mean, you do. You provide. That's literally all I got right now in this game. Is I just I'm listening and reincorporating, listening and re like that's last that time I checked. That's what Vincent nah, Baker said was a role play. It's game. working. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm very pleased with I will it. Say and I love, but but the game cool. feels. Even though we all know it's not plotted out, the game feels like, like it it's is. plotted out. Yeah. Does it? No, it feels like a TV show. It does. Yeah. It, it does. feels. It, it feels very much like a TV show, and I like that feeling. And it yep. feels like there is a, like there is an endpoint to the game. Yeah. There's oh, there's definitely an oh, endpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me tell you that 100% there's an endpoint right. to this game. That I'm sure of. What I don't know is how you are going to do, react to it. Do, okay. do, do you want me to tell you why Ox is really good? It's because Phil is good at setting up things and then paying them off. Yeah. And then we are really good at playing characters that oh. provide him places to set up things and then pay them off. The mm-hmm. stuff that you guys provide yep. is invaluable. Like... Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm putting out the I'm putting out the disasters, the little bits of history or whatever. The stuff that you guys come back with in terms of character stuff, in terms of playing off failure, in terms of playing off of theme like different themes like family and stuff like that. Like that's all you guys. My job is then just listen real carefully and cycle some of that back yeah, into which is yep. a very useful game master skill to have. Yep, sure. Yep. Should just listen and reincorporate. There you go. It's one of those cases where um when everything coalesces. It works and it can happen in any game. It can happen with any group and it's hard to predict because this same group, we could be playing some other game and it may not gel the same way. There's a high chance that this group can pull off a lot of different games, Mm -hmm. but we might, you know, you can always hit a dud, which is why I'm always grateful when they work like this. (laughs) The thing that Bob talks about the Alvar, the Alvar stuff and his character candor, we built that culture together. Like I didn't mm-hmm. do it by myself. Yeah. And as soon as he did, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just going to build one of the pieces of the game around that because it's there and it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff uh, is like legacy stuff that I'm still there. They'll be in, they're all invested in it, but it's not, I don't know how it's going to be. I, I'm going to have to work pretty hard to make it anywhere near as good as the stuff that had just happened mm-hmm. because of how that function, yeah. how the, the, the actual like character connection to it. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Yeah. I'm sure it'll turn out great. I'm sure it'll be fine. So, uh, Phil, what about you, man? You didn't you didn't even mention your your arc stuff. Yeah. So, ever since this episode, I've actually been very deliberate in using the terms that we defined, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. session. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't mix session and story and stuff like that. When I say session, I mean session, that kind of thing. And I've carried those on like for years now. And we've even talked about this in in part in pandas. And again, I've like I've brought back these terms and re you know and defined them again you know in pandas as well as. Um, you know, here on the show. And like, for me, when we first wrote this down and had the initial discussion about it, it cemented for me 
a lot of stuff that I was doing instinct instinctively as a GM, but now I do very deliberately. I look at the pace of my arcs. I decide, am I going to do a continuous or non-continuous arc? I think about what are my character arcs and when do I want to push each arc into the game and which ones do I want to focus on on a given game, that kind of thing. Like, I always think about my games like this now. Mm-hmm. And it like it just from the time that we sat and had the initial episode to now, it's only cemented that for me. Like the stuff that we talked about just works. It works. And if you think about it in these terms, uh, you can very easily manage all these pieces as you take them out as individual arcs mm-hmm. and you think about each one. What is the try fail cycle for this character's arc? What is the try fail cycle for this meta arc, etc.? And then start piecing them together. So, yeah, it, it like. As the show has always done, it, we often do a thing where we take a topic, we define it, discuss it, and then I am also a recipient mm-hmm. of the advice that we generate, right? Mm-hmm. Like that stuff feeds right back into my own stuff. So, yeah, this is all like I love that you picked this episode because this one was always a part of my lexicon from the day that we defined it going forward. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Bob walked away, so um, <laughs> we're going to go to the conversation corner now. I'm going to press that bumper for it. All right, so we are in the conversation corner, and we're going to do uh, that one thing that we like to do in the conversation corner. Jerry, tell us about your one thing. A uh, surprising movie that I watched was The Imitation on Netflix. This uh, stars, I can't remember the young lady's name, but she was she played Domino in Deadpool, Emmanuel, Nellie Emmanuel. It's a gothic story about a woman who discovers that she's got family that she didn't know about in the UK and she gets invited to a family wedding and then things go awry. I liked it a lot. I didn't know anything about it going into it and it was fun. I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. If you liked, if, if you liked Crimson Peak, but thought it needed a better story, it's that kind of feel. It's a modern dark Gothic romance. It's got some genre stuff to it. So you'll probably figure out what's going on about midway through it, if not before, but the acting is good. The story's good. The resolution of the characters are interesting. There's a lot of fun little Easter eggs in it. If you are, a fan of literature, you'll also figure out what's going on because they drop a, f- a couple of fun names in the background that are neat. I mean, but it's it's good. So it's gothic horror romance, yeah. And it's called The Invitation. It's probably something to do with vampires. But so, you know, don't say anything. It's, I'm it's just gonna guess. I just it was a, a thing. It was a, it was a fun it was a fun little little thing. So I just enjoyed it. It was it was a movie that I was I was puttering around doing something else and just tossed it on in the background while to, to watch while I was working on writing something, and I multitask all the time. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, I was like, oh, this is fun. And the, but it, it's helped by the acting, the story, the pacing is really good. And they set the atmosphere up really well. It's just fun. It's not gory. It's, it's a little bit of blood, but it's not super gory. But it's a fun little story with a lot. It's more of a thriller. It's fun. I, I think, and I think that a lot of our, our, our fans would enjoy it because it's a good storytelling. So, I always love a good story. Yep. So right. Chris? Mine's The Recruit. So The Recruit is a new show on Netflix. It stars uh, Noah Centrino playing Owen Hendricks, the recruit who is like, when the show opens, it's day three at the CIA, and he's a lawyer. So he's a work in operations. He works in the law department, which means they're the people that deal with all the stuff to make sure that nothing terrible gets out so that the CIA doesn't get like lambasted in the media. Sounds like a terrible sure. job. It is, it is a terrible job, and it is hilarious. Every episode has an acronym as its okay. title, and the acronym is something that they that is said in the episode. When I looked it up, I'm like, oh, that's what they are. I've been trying to figure out what these acronyms are the entire time. It's a pretty good show. Uh, it's got a nice strong story through line. It's it's actually fairly dramatic. Like there are funny moments, but man, is is it a it's a grip the edge of your seat kind of show at times. Good. And this this poor lawyer because he's a lawyer, right? Straight up lawyer. 
the the times that he gets in way over his head, which is kind of his, his mo. Like he goes out and has to like run around for like doesn't get to sleep for like forty eight hours. He's going back and forth between Phoenix and his, and, and DC and dealing with a prisoner and dealing with his boss and dealing with the backstabbing in the office. It's it's the CIA apparently based on on the the, the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. I, I would give it a pilot plus one, which is what a friend of mine told me. Just watch the first two episodes, and if that is pilot some, plus one, yeah, pilot plus one. If that gets you, if that doesn't hook you, then then turn it off. If not, I think you'll probably watch all the way through though. That's good. Cool. That's the that's the re- recruit. Cool. Next, cool, cool, Bob. Yeah. So um, the first season of Star Trek Prodigy wrapped up last week. It was an interesting uh, decision that they made. They did twenty episodes, but they did ten of them in a block, and then they had a big break. And then they came back for the the second 10 episodes. But that just wrapped up, and I found it to be highly entertaining, very Star Trek-y, for a show that is definitely aimed at kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a co-production with Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. They had some moments in the in the two-part finale where it was like, ooh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, that seems like it might be just a little on the heavy side for kids. But for Star Trek kids, maybe, you know, the Star Trek kids are savvy enough to, to be able to take a little more heavy. But to Jerry's points about the show it starts out with a bunch of character development to start with all of the major characters and one of them uh, does not start out very likable no but they all have arcs mm-hmm. they all have good arcs yep they wrap up in in what i feel are satisfying ways there's some wild action <laughs> you know there's there's a ton of callbacks is it motorcycles jumping it is not it is not it is not um um music videos it is not music videos for for sabotage sabotage, no yeah i Um, i I saw the first 10 episodes and i thought that the end of the first 10 episodes did a really good job of making the characters all likable it's not a it's not not a long crawl yeah they they, mid-season you've got you're you're excited go ahead yeah this the second half is is very good it's got uh, like I said, there, there's there's callbacks to, to previous Trek stuff. I mean, you've got obvious connections to Voyager because of, of Janeway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give too many details because I don't want to spoil things, but it's fun is the is the thing that I would the the, the big word that I would use. I think it was fun, uh, and I'm very interested to see where they're going to go next, especially with the way that they wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. So, um, Star Trek Prodigy, good stuff. Sounds good, Phil. Uh, I watched over the weekend. Uh, I watched actually both Knives Out and Glass Onion, but I want to talk about Glass Onion. No spoilers because it's still pretty new. I like Glass Onion too. I haven't seen what it. What a fantastically enjoyable movie! Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. First of all, I liked Knives Out. I thought Knives Out was also really good, but I liked Glass Onion even more. I thought Glass Onion was even a better mystery story. I liked the characters a bit more. As much as I like Daniel Craig as James Bond, I love Daniel Craig as. Benoit Blanc, He's the gentleman, enough. the gentleman detective, fantastic. like what a fantastic character. And the accent is also uh, amazing. But yeah, I just I watched the movie and I love how uh, this is Ryan Johnson, right? So I love how the story has it has a nonlinear component, like it goes up to a point in both of them and then it jump it like reveals something and then jumps back and starts like and starts over again. In a way, not like I don't want to give anything away, but there's a, some nonlinear story techniques that are really good for how how they tell the story. Is, is that the kind of thing where they they tell you the story up to a certain point, then they go back and they basically get a different character's yeah. point of view? Yeah, they rush them on it. Yeah, that, yes. and that, it's yeah, and it's great. It's perfect. Like, like mm-hmm. the and the and the detective stories are just if you like classic whodunit detective stories, like they're just fun. You have you seen Brick? No, 
You need to see Brick. Okay. That was one of his early ones with Joe Sargor. Brick is a Maltese Falcon, Dashiell Hammett kind of story told in 1990s high school with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who, and almost all the dialogue is very 1920s style detective noir. I think you'd like it. It's, a, it's, it's, also, it's also Ryan Johnson. If you guys haven't watched Glass Onion, it's, it's worth watching. Yeah, it's, the cast is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody is playing exceptionally well. Like everybody, yeah. every, every actor is just doing everything they can to make this thing make sense. And it's a really cool cast. Like the casting is like all over the place. Cause it's, um, for Glass Onion, it's it's Daniel Craig, yep. Ed Norton, Janelle Monet, mm-hmm. uh, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom, Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, uh, Madeline, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Batista. It's ridiculous. I mean, all That's over. a hell of a cast. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's and like I said, everyone's been phenomenal in it. They're great. So no spoilers, but I'm going to talk about one little scene. Everything you need to know about the characters, Ryan Johnson encapsulates in a very modern way. There is a scene where they all first meet each other and they're wearing masks. And if you look at how each one is wearing a mask, everything you need to know about those characters is summed up by that's true. The masks they're wearing and how they're wearing them. And that's clever. It's very clever. It's, I mean, it's one of the first kind of movies that takes COVID into it. It very quickly dispenses with it, but it takes COVID into account because it takes place in 2020, but it's such a, it's such a brilliant little detail added to the scene mm-hmm. that adds like a whole bunch of um texture to the to the rest of it's it funny because they already he'd already done it too with the 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 opening sequence he did but then did it again yeah, like it's in, i don't want to spoil it because i know bob hasn't seen it but i haven't either so. oh oh it's worth watching it is i'm just waiting to watch it with my wife so completely worth watching is also fantastic yes knives out is excellent yeah if you like knives out you will absolutely yeah this doesn't disappoint and and as far as i'm concerned ryan johnson can just keep taking daniel craig and making more of these, um, more of these detective <laughs> there, movies. There is a scene where Yo-Yo Ma, the world's most famous cello player, just shows up to explain a fugue. Like, yeah, like, yeah, just like how a fugue works, what yeah. a fugue is. I'm like, just, all right, like pops right when, in. When I saw it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Yo-Yo Ma. No, that's 100. percent That was Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. <laughs> just all right, Ryan Johnson. Whatever, it's cool. It's, he makes um, films. Yeah, uh, um, it's just great. Just great. Just go, um, go watch it. You will not be disappointed. And like I said, I will watch. I will watch Daniel Craig as this character forever. Yeah, me too. Like, they can just yeah. keep nice. just making more of these. And Ryan Johnson apparently writes some cool ass mysteries. Like there they're fun. Go. They're enjoyable yeah. mysteries. Anyway, that was uh, that's my thing. And that's it. That is our show. Let's go to the Patreon channel. All right. So big thank yous to Troy Sandlin, Chris Constantine, Mirko Frolik, Eric Simon, Kathleen Helperin. Lars Henrik Evjan, Christopher Melch, Michael Beck Esperum, Joseph Knoll, and Carlos. Thank you all so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can get more content like this at misdirectedmark.com where we have over That's not true. Where we it's not true. It's 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 a lot. We have a lot. We have a lot of podcasts. A lot episodes. of them are not there anymore. Me see many, many. Yeah, we're we're it's a honestly, it's a lot to host on 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 a server. I so. will tell you though, if you if you really want to hear those back episodes very shortly, you'll be able to if you're part of our Patreon, because yeah. they'll all be sitting in a Google Drive folder you can just download exactly. them. Mm-hmm. But just to be clear, there's still a bunch of stuff on the website. There is. Like, you can still, there's many, many hours Whole of bunches. podcast material on the website. There is even more coming in the archives. Uh, anyway, catch uh, episodes of our uh, various shows. Um, and um, again, we'll have a bunch more in our Patreon at patreon.com slash MMP. And those bunch of episodes include a lot of the older shows, or other shows in the Mr. Mark Network. Such as They're a Super Geek, Bonestone Obsidian, Pandas Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Bonus Experience, 
the all-new Thackall with Advantage, and the amazing back episodes of She's a Super Geek. And if there still is enough content for you, I suggest checking out our sibling podcasts like Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, GM Mastermind, and Mastering Dungeons. And if that's not enough, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? There's more? <laughs> wait, there's wait, more. But there's wait, more. There's not. There's not. <laughs> there's not. Do you need more? You I do don't not. think you need more. You actually need to start playing some games. Finding like, podcasts <laughs> is hard. Now, Ouch. Milton, don't be greedy. Take that advice and go play some games. All right. What you can do is at any point in the course of your arc of your game, leave us some feedback. Please. Hit us up on the old-fashioned emails at mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Uh, you can check out Twitter. Some of us are still there-ish. Some of us are also lurking on Dice Camp. Look, man, I, I have to tell you, the, the Misdirected Mark Twitter tweets more now than it has in a while. Yes. <laughs> which, the Misdirected Mark uh, Twitter is at Misdirected Mark, which you could follow. You can check out Robert M. Everson. Yeah. You can check out Jam Gerrymander mm-hmm. and The Light 101. Mm-hmm. And I'm DNA Phil. And I'm also DNA Phil on Dice Camp. So if you want to check me out on Dice Camp, I'm there as well. Is Dice Camp go. worth going to? It's not bad. Here's the thing. It's very Twitter-like. But since it's not fully adopted, I have like 175 followers on Dice Camp. I have like 2,100 followers on Twitter. There's some rebuilding to do. Sure. I mean, I don't, that's not it, the part the, that the, bothers the, me. It's just like... The signal to noise is very much game. Dice Camp is hosted by Sage Latora. Mm-hmm. You will recognize a whole ton of people. People that we know from Slack, people we know from Twitter are also there. Sure. That's Dice Camp. That Patreon that we mentioned earlier with the, the, the whole bunches of episodes there? There's whole bunches. Whole bunches. If you want to support us and other shows from Misdirected Mark Productions, you can do that at patreon.com slash MMP. As we've said before, your patronage will get you access to the After Show podcast, our show notes, the Bamboo Lounge podcast. You'll definitely get these show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And other special releases sometimes, which, you know, who knows? Also access to our Slack room. Yes. That's important. Slack room is very important. Yeah. Well, Muy importante. With that, this has been a Misdirected Mark Production, which... Is still the media arm of encoded designs, I'm pretty sure. Aren't we still the media arm of encoded designs? Sure. Yeah, I feel I like they're still in encoded designs. They're just still making media. We're gonna hook we them up. We have arms. We're gonna we have arms, lots of arms. <laughs> well, mic drop. We out!